Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Blazers win a big game and Damian Lillard drops 60. It's being called the greatest, most efficient 60-point performance ever. Plus, the Blazers lose two dear members of their family. All that and more next on the Sports by Northwest podcast. I am Aaron Fentress. I cover the Blazers for the Oregonian Oregon Live. And I'm joined, as always, by Brenna Green, Coin6 reporter, anchor, Extraordinaire. I, I think I like that word for sure. you. Extraordinaire. I think I like that, that works. <laughs> How that. are you today, Brenna? You know, we're getting through it. It's this. <laughs> we were talking before the podcast about a certain situation where I'm trying to return something, but I'm missing one of the things, and I think my cat may have um, may have been the culprit, and I can't find it anywhere. And so, you know, I've spent the last. 12 hours of my life uh, with some sleeping in between, uh, ripping my apartment apart trying to find this, and I can't find it anywhere. So, Are we going to talk more about this later? Or are you, are you, I don't know. We'll see. You're, you're we'll trying see. to decide we'll because there's another character involved in this that, well, we'll see if that you don't know I, if, if you want to sp- out. Is that- yeah, okay. we'll see if I spill the tea or not. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, anyways, it's a whole thing. How are you? I- I'm doing great. You know, just 48 games into the season. Mm-hmm. I'm glad something exciting happened last night because literally there was there were points where I was just sitting there watching the game like this, like my arm on one chair, and I'm just like, these guys. Anyway, all right, so let's dive right into what did save the evening for me last night and for everyone, I think, there. Uh, you had a game against Utah that the Blazers need to win. You know, they needed to win. They're, they're three games under 500 entering this game. This is the team they're chasing. They entered the game 12th in the West, which is still blowing my mind because I don't think of this team as being a lottery team, but here they are. And uh, along the way, all of a sudden, I looked up in the third quarter, or yeah, about third quarter, I saw Dame had like close to 50. And I was like, wait a minute. And I knew he was scoring a lot, but like it, it was, it was kind of quiet. It was really weird because yeah. I was paying more attention to if they were going to win this game, if they were going to blow this game. And he ends up in that quarter with 24. He ends up in the game with 60. And we're going to get to how he missed his career uh, mark of 61. But after the game, uh, someone mentioned during the press conference that it was the most efficient 60-point performance ever. And when he was asked about it earlier, he said it felt kind of simple. And he said, I, I'm not trying to disrespect Utah, but I didn't feel like I went out there and attacked and was super yeah. aggressive like in his previous three 60-point performances when he said, I knew how to take the other team out. 
And so the fact that it was the most efficient when that was revealed, I even said to him, I said, that's probably why you, you thought it felt so simple. And he's like, yeah, because he didn't feel like he really forced the action. And what was crazy about the performance is he went 20 for 29, 72% or whatever, and only needed nine free throws, which is something Bills pointed out. In his three prior 60-point performances, he averaged 16.3 free throws made per game, and he shot anywhere from 47 to 54. So it just, just sort of showed how efficient and amazing it was. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, just your impressions on, one, him having a night like that, and, mm-hmm. and two, the idea that here's this guy that Utah was trying to deal with but really couldn't in part because he wasn't overdoing it. He, he didn't take 45 shots to get 60. He only took 29. Well, I saw online that Utah only started doubling him once he had 50 points, which – well. I mean, they claim they tried, but he kept okay. he kept getting he kept slipping and getting away. Will Hardy, the coach, said we we messed up a lot of our different covers that we tried. But I think it became more visible later. But I think yes. part of the part of the thing was is that he again he wasn't like he was nine for eleven in one quarter, and they were all good shots. He wasn't really yeah. forcing. He did have a couple of logo. I'm gonna go logo Lillard here and there. But I think if, he, if you're yeah. doubling a guy who's gonna give it up. He's got eight assists to go with it. It's it's tough because okay, he's just giving it up. He's not trying to be too too aggressive. So yeah. it, I just think they were at his mercy because he was just on fire. Well, you know, you and I were both at the Lakers game on Sunday, and that was just a scarring and jarring experience <laughs> uh, to be a part of. Not fun. Uh, so you know, I think that first of all, it's not surprising to me that it. It wasn't a situation for you where it was like, oh my gosh, he, he's going crazy, blah, blah, blah. Because I think that everyone is still dealing with the hangover of that <laughs> loss and how awful it was. And so it's just like, just win. We don't just whatever. Just, just I, however you do it, I don't care. Just get it done, you know? 100%. Um, so I think that that makes a lot of sense. And I think it makes a lot of sense that, you know, yeah, D- Dame just kind of went out and did it, and it wasn't like some big Herculean effort. And he made a point in the press conference afterwards that all the other 60-point games he's had have been really high stakes. There was one in the bubble that was like, we just need to win all the games we possibly can. And there were a few others that it was just like, you know, this this is a must-win game tonight. And yes, last night was a, a huge game for them, but it's at a different juncture maybe than a than a, than a game like in the bubble so right. yeah i mean a really truly uh transcendent performance from him i think that this area has gotten to a point where that's almost expected which is insane <laughs> <laughs> this is not normal okay yeah, 60 points but- is the, 60 points is the new 40 right yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, you know, got four 60-point games, and the only people who have more 60-point games than him is Kobe and Wilt. And as yep. he said last night, you're never catching Wilt because he has 32. Insane. Yeah, Kobe has six. He's tied with Michael Jordan and Harden yep. uh, for four each. Jordan's high was 69. Harden's numbers were the exact same as Dame's. Dame's goes 61, 61, 60, 60. And Harden goes 61, 61, 60, 60. And then Wilts are just all over the place. Uh, yeah. <laughs> another interesting aspect of this for me was after the game, I was in the locker room talking to you and Freddie about it. Mm-hmm. And he kind of looked at me and goes, another day at the office, 
<laughs> for, for Damian Lillard. And I go, oh, you aren't impressed? He's like, oh, 60 to 60, but I want to see him get 70. And apparently in the locker room after the game, he like was like, no, we're not going to pour water on him. That's something they, you know, they put water on people and yeah. do something great. He said, no, we're not going to pour water on him. I've seen this too many times before. I need to see 70 from him. And I'm like, whoa, that's good. He, he was joking, of course. But his point was that, you know, he's seen this before. He thinks Dame has a 70 in him someday. But what was fascinating to me at the end of the game was he he, he got to 60 with free throws with about a, a minute 29 or something, a minute 40 left mm-hmm. in the game. And the game's over pretty much. I mean, I guess in the NBA – 10, 12-point lead with a minute 40 is not quite over because people can jack up some threes real quick. But anyway, Billups was going to take him out, and Dame said he assumed Billups was going to take him out. I mm-hmm. thought he'd probably take him out. Uh, but then at that point, it was like, well, he's only one point away. Like, is he going to leave him in? And so Dame goes over to Chauncey, and Chauncey says, no, I've only kept you into this point because you're close to your record. And Dame's like, oh, okay, I'm going to try and go for it. And from that point on, it was almost like Utah knew <laughs> that Dame was a basket away because they were. He came across the court, the first position after the free throws. He comes across the court, and they're doubling at the logo, as if it were a one point game. And so we had to get rid of it, and then someone else took a shot. And then I think the next possession, same thing. And then then he comes down. He ends up with three people on him, and then one leaves. He ends up doing a, a step back three to try and get it. He missed. Uh, but it seemed like they were obviously trying to keep him from breaking the record against him. And so I'm curious. I, I found that to be a little cheesy. Like, I DM up, but you got to double and triple and take the ball out of his hands? Like, give the man a chance. No? What do you think? I mean, I these players all have pride. <laughs> they don't want it against them? No, they don't want it against them. You know, like you said. DM straight DM's- up. DM straight up. Put Clarkson on him. DM straight up. Make him earn it. But don't triple him. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't have an issue with it. I guess you would quadruple team them, huh? <laughs> I mean, anybody can put up a shot on me. Like I, <laughs> as long as it's not Damien. That's. I mean, I can kind of understand it. That's how I would feel personally. Um, but I understand you thinking that it's cheesy as well. We get both sides of this argument, but um, you know, NBA players have egos. Shocker. If you had egos, have egos the first 40, first 50. I want to have an ego at 60, 61, 62. It's not like your name's going to go on the record. Well, it's just he had it. I know. Screw high against Utah. Anyway. I know. I, but when you're I, out I there on the court, court you're, not, you're not thinking that way. I know. I, I, I see it. Plus, plus what happened? Let me look what happened to Jalen Rose with the whole Kobe thing. People are still talking about that. And it wasn't even all on Jalen Rose when Kobe scored 81 no. that night. There's even a, the funny commercial with the olives. You've seen that, right? Yes. Yes. So, I mean, maybe they're just thinking, hey, we don't want Dan to be talking about us specifically when he talks about his career. That's fine, whatever. But he still had the most efficient one ever, so that counts for something as well. All right, uh, let's move on to – before we talk more about the Blazers, let's move on to to some sad news. Yeah, uh, Blazers, John Curry, their cameraman, and, of course, Bill Shonley passing away over the last few days. Um, you know, obviously, I am – newer to the Blazers beat, but as a native Oregonian, I said this on the news, Sean Lee is, is kind of like the soundtrack to Portland, Oregon. He is the, the, the voice that narrated life here for so many years. Uh, I mean, what a life lived, what a 
what an incredible legacy. And and same with Curry, their cameraman, just a really, really genuinely nice person. Um, Aaron, do you, do you have any like memories of either of them that, that stand out for you? You know, I don't really remember listening to many radio broadcasts. I remember Sean Lee on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I started covering the Blazers, it was during the bubble. I did see him around a little bit last year, but I never had a yeah. ton of interactions with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's always amazed me, <laughs> like everything you just said about his connection with, with Blazers fans. And because he, he hasn't done radio since he retired in 1998, or they retired yeah. him, I guess. He was never happy about yeah. that. But that's, that's a long yeah. time ago. But for him to still remain the mayor of Rip City and, and to be so entrenched in the whole um, idea of, of Rip City and Blazers Nation is has always been phenomenal to me. And in talking to Mike Barrett, former play-by-play guy, and to Rich Patterson, their radio producer, and to other people about him, you know, those two grew up in Oregon as Blazers fans, as kids, and their ambassador to the to the Blazers were was the, through the radio and, and Bill Shonley and listening to him call the games and deliver, you know, the, the vivid visuals of, of what he was seeing so that you can sort of feel like you were there. Because back then, maybe a dozen games a year would be on TV. And so if you were a fan, you listen to a lot of radio broadcasts, whereas today you watch the game on your phone, right? Uh, so he, he just touched so many people and, and he accomplished that because of his style, because he, he made it vibrant and exciting. And, you know, Barrett said something that was, that was, that made an impression on me was that he wasn't just a play-by-play guy. He was a promoter. He was an ambassador, yep. as I said, he was a, a marketer, you know, he helped sell pro basketball in Oregon across the state. They would go, he would go on tours to different radio stations across the state and meet and greet people and talk to people. He almost became sort of a, wait, not almost, he became a personality in his own right as an extension yep. of the franchise. So that, that's amazing. Like that, you know, that to accomplish that and do what he did just in that vein is incredible. Um, as for Curry, I got to know him doing various shows when I was at NBC Sports Northwest. He always mm-hmm. seemed to be, you know, around the working the camera in some capacity uh, and just, the friendliest guy ever, right? Just oh, like he would always come up to me and say something mainly about ducks. He's a big duck fan. And he would hear me or watch me say something or be there when I'd say something he'd agree with. And he'd say something. If I didn't agree, he'd be like, ah, oh, eventually. You know? And even just, you know, this past year, whenever I'd come in to the arena and go to the media area, I'd see him around and he'd, he'd say something to me about Oregon and we'd have a chat about it. And it was just, you know, it's like I look back on it, and I feel I feel sad because it's like, oh, I kind of took that for granted because you don't think something like this is going to happen. Yeah. But then when he's not there, you realize, you know, wow, I, you know, those interactions were always fun. And he was just a, a, a regular face there, a regular friendly face. And there's sometimes I go to the arena, I'm like, oh, God, another game. Uh, you know, it, it does wear on you at, a, at times. Yeah. And boom, he'd be there smiling. And I'm like, oh, he's smiling. I can smile a little bit. So no, he, he was just a, a, a great character. And, and again, I didn't know him. Beyond that, but talking to people who did know him, then you realize even more um, how much of, of a great man he was. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I was, gosh, I was probably, I was like six or seven the last time Sean Lee called a game on the radio. So, but the fact that he had such an impression still on me and I, and I knew who he was, I think that says a lot about his legacy. I mean, right. and by the way, 
he wasn't just somebody that basketball fans knew. He was inescapable. Like, <laughs> if you watch television in the city of Portland, let me tell you, Bill Shawnley was there talking to you about standard TV and appliance, ladies and gentlemen. Okay? He was there to let you know. So, you know, it was... It, I, I think that says a lot about him that, you know, even if you weren't a fan of sports, he was still well-known. He was still, uh, a, he was just a part of the culture here. And how many people can claim to be a part of a city's culture for 50 years? This just doesn't, I can't, I can't think of anybody right now off the top of my head. Yeah. Really can't. So um, I think that says a lot about who he was and, and he was beloved and rightly so everybody Everybody loved him as a human as well. So I think that's really cool. And, you know, Curry, I only really had one or two interactions with him this season. Mm -hmm. But something that stood out to me is I was in the locker room um, when GP2 came back before the game. And he was like, oh, like, he's like, are you here for Gary? Like, he's right around the corner. So just stay here and and he'll be, he'll be out in just a second. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's really cool because yeah. he did not – have any obligation to come up to me and tell me that. And he did. And I think that says, you know, he, he doesn't need to help me. You know, he doesn't need to, he doesn't know who I am beyond being the person who, you know, cracks a few jokes in the back with the cameras on, right. on media row after post game. That's, <laughs> you know, that's, that's all he really knew of me. And I, that, and, and those times were only, you know, a couple. So, right. um, yeah, I, I mean, just what a loss for this organization on both fronts. And um, I'm glad that they they both got their roses this week. Absolutely. I, I did a feature on Oregon Live about Curry. And I'm, I was, I mean, it's doing really good traffic, which is surprising, but it just mm -hmm. shows you how many people, even if Barrett made this point and Brooke made this point, is that you didn't have to know him to know him because he yeah. was always – you know, interacting with people at games and fist bucking people, saying hi. And he and Brooke would photobomb people when they try and take pictures with their back to the court. And he's just one of these guys that either you knew him well or you knew him in passing or you saw him around so much that you just knew of him. He was just a fixture down there on the baseline and with someone crashing on him at some point <laughs> in the game, which according to uh, uh, Jeff Curtin, the uh, Blazers uh, uh, broadcast producer, um, he took a, Curry took a lot of blows. And ate him up. Former military guy. It was nothing. Six foot ten, two hundred fifty pound person falling on me. He hopped back up, get his camera refocused, and, and get back to doing his job, which which he absolutely loves. So, yep, two two uh, two great fixtures of that franchise no longer with us, and that is definitely sad news this week. Now, moving back to the Blazers on the court, they got a big win. And if you're not looking right now, I'm air quoting. They got a big win. <laughs> Over Utah, and it's probably only really a big win because at this point, because it's only their second back-to-back -back victory um, since mid-December, which is right when the big swoon began. So the yeah. question now is, you know, it was a very impressive performance. Utah's a good team. They scored 134 points coming off of putting up 147 against San Antonio, which has the worst defense in the NBA. But still, 147 is a lot. Uh, could we be seeing the signs of, you know, maybe something starting? You got Toronto Saturday, very winnable. You got Atlanta Monday, very winnable. Could they get back to 500 by the time the Hawks game ends on Monday night? 
They absolutely could. Um, or they could be four games under. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this this team is just – it's Jekyll and Hyde, and that's the thing that's really frustrating is that sometimes you see these moments of genius from this team, and then sometimes you see Sunday night against the Lakers. Like I said, that game was just – uh, I I don't know how else to describe it other than scarring. It was like you're just like how how did this happen? You had 71 points at halftime and we're up by 25, right. and that pretty much maintained until like the four. I mean, I I had to step outside of the arena to go record something um, during the third quarter, and as I'm looking at my phone, I'm like, this is getting closer and closer <laughs> and closer. And I come back in, and uh, Sean Hyken on, on Media Row is like, well, you left at the right time, but maybe this is all your fault. Because <laughs> once you left, they started playing like dog poop. And so, yeah, anyways, um, I think that's just been the thing that's been that, – that has really been the, the consistent thing this year has been the inconsistency. Yeah. And you cannot – win in the NBA if you don't have some sort of consistency. I understand every team drops a game they shouldn't drop every once in a while, but that's not the case here. It's happened multiple, multiple times at this point. So, um, I mean, yeah. Yeah, they can recover. They also could not. I, I know that's not like, you know, the definitive answer anybody wants, but there's nothing definitive about this team right now. That's some deep dive analysis. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I know. I'm really giving it to you. But it, it, I, look, could, let's put it this way. I would not bet on this team right now. Ooh, soundbite. There you go. Brenda would it, not bet on this it, team. I would not bet on this team in terms of like a game-by-game game sort of situation. <laughs> you just never know. You never know. You are 100% I, I, correct. I hope that – I hope that – I hope that this these next two games are the start of a new era. We're ushering in a – a new era sounds a little much. Um, <laughs> a new stretch. A, a new stretch for this team. I hope. I hope the Lakers game was the wake up call that they really needed. And maybe that's a good way to frame it. We'll go. see if that's actually how we're framing it or not in a few days. Right. Um, so I wrote earlier this week about Billups falling us on the sword a little bit, saying mm-hmm. you know they had a team meeting. They talked about all the different things that are going wrong. And he said, hey, some of it's me. You know, I need to do a better job. Whatever's going on with my team, I need to do a better job of helping them get through it and be in better positions to succeed. And, you know, Damian and Jeremy Grant said that they definitely valued that, that the coach is including himself in in the mix of the problem. Uh, But both said that they feel mainly it comes down to, you know, players got to execute better. Jeremy Grant said, you know, straight up, we believe in the game plans. We believe, believe in what we're trying to do. But we have to execute better, which brings me to another point is that it's interesting that we've been hearing this all season, but they barely practice, which is just fascinating to me that the NBA culture has got to the point where, oh, we need to fix this. We need to fix that. We need to do this better. Are you going to have practice? No. (laughs) But anyway, that's that's another discussion for another time. Because back in the day, like Johnson has said, back in the day, we could win 10 in a row. We're practicing the next day. Anyway, uh, so... I do. St- I haven't totally given up on them, but I need to see some evidence because I've been like, "Oh, they're gonna, they're gonna turn around. They're gonna turn around. They're gonna turn around." They got a bunch of home games coming, and they're under 500 in in that this this home game stretch. So now they got two home games remaining in this stretch right here. They're two games under. They could either be at 500, right, or they split and they're still two under, or they lose both and they're four under. 
For me, they need to be back to 500. They need to win these two because they didn't go on the road for three. Washington should be a win. I think they're in their tank mode, but they'll be on the road. And you got Chicago and you got Memphis. Memphis to me is an L waiting to happen. Chicago's a yep. coin toss. But if you go on the road two games under, you could very easily come back three games under with five home games. Now, are you going to win four of the five to get to 500 before you start another a road stretch? I, I, I mean, why would I believe that? So I really want to see them win these next two games because then I'll have some belief that, okay, maybe they can get on a run, get back a few games over 500 and become a threat again. Because right now, when you, no matter how much faith we might have that this team could or could not turn things around, they're 12th. They were 13th after the Laker game. That just that shocks me because I don't think of them yep. as being that bad. But going into San Antonio, they if the season ended, they would have had the eighth worst record in the NBA which would be the eighth pick before the lottery. They tanked last year to get the seventh pick. <laughs> Think about that. They completely tore things down, invented injuries to get the seventh pick, come into this season, and right now you're sitting at like the eighth or ninth pick? That's, that's, that's bad. That's bad. Now, one more thing. The trade deadline is February 9th. Mm-hmm. They are, I've talked to people about this, they are, and I mean, it's pretty obvious, but I have confirmed yeah. it with people that they are actively trying to make some kind of move. We can go all day about what they could do. We'll save that for next week. We're closer, closer to the deadline. But yeah. if they can pull off something that fits, and for me, it's size. you got to get bigger. Thomas Bryant, yeah. for the Lakers should not be going shack on you. right? Even San Antonio made you look small. Utah made you look small, but you won. Philadelphia, oh my God, they just engulfed you with their size and length. So. Yeah. They need to make a trade that gets them some, some more size and length, effective size and length. And if they do that, I think they have a chance to still get into sixth place because they're only a couple games out of sixth. But I think that would guarantee that they'd be a playing team at the very least. Changes incoming. That's, <laughs> that's, that's all we really know. I mean, may, maybe. I mean, you know, you could see it not happening. But, uh, yeah, I think that I think that would make some sense. Yeah. All right. We got to talk a little bit about college. It's Oregon, and it's it's signing day next week. Uh, this is not the big signing day. That was in <laughs> December. February signing day is kind of I'm I, it's kind of an afterthought at this point. Um, but there are some new guys coming in. Just Aaron, what do you think of where these where these classes stand right now? Well, yeah, you're right. I mean, the big signing day now is December. Uh, Hell, Oregon has 14 guys enrolled, a bunch of guys signed already. Uh, so the only question is, you know, can Oregon or Oregon State reel in, you know, some kind of late big fish? Uh, overall ranking right now for Oregon is 11th. Overall ranking right now for Oregon State is 49th. But we know Oregon State can do well with classes ranked in the 40s, right? Mm-hmm. But apparently, and uh, I talked about this on Talking Ducks with George Reister, former Oregon tight end. And he tells me that the Blazers are, excuse me, the Blazers, that the Ducks are in the mix uh, for maybe a surprise get here or there. So that's something to watch for next week. Could they flip somebody? Uh, Could they land another five-star kid? We just saw Colorado just stole number one cornerback in the country from Miami. So that kind of stuff is going on, especially with the money involved that people can throw around and influence yep. and do all those kind of things. So 
according to him, he's he's my recruiting go-to guy because <laughs> I, I hate following recruiting. I hate chasing around 17, 18 year olds to see what they're going to do. Can't blame uh, me there. Yeah, it's just so I did it in the past. It's just so corny. Um, but he thinks the Ducks could land someone else in the next week or so. So we'll keep an eye out for that, and maybe that'll be a topic next week. But that's all we need to talk about them because, yeah. like you said, their classes are pretty much locked in. But there is something going on in the college sports world locally that many people may not know about. University of Portland women's basketball forward Alex Fowler is 36 points away from becoming the Pilots all-time leading scorer. You, Brenna, have done sideline work for that team this season, so you've watched her in action. Could you beat her one-on-one? Uh, no. No. Okay. Then we know. <laughs> then we know she's she's definitely. So good. that's funny um, you say that because Ann shots through to me for a post game oh, interview with do? her. Talked to her a long time. Anyway, go ahead. Ann's great. Okay, and yeah. Ann's the best. Yeah. She's awesome. Um. And so and Ann threw to me and she goes, "All right, Brenna Green, gonna go one on one with Alex Fowler now." And I said, "Ann, I don't want any part of that." <laughs> I'm good. I don't need to go. I, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna entertain that idea. But I will ask some questions. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just think this is like a story that nobody around here is talking about right now. And I. I mean, I. I guess I get it. You know, there's other things going on. I. I understand. But I mean, this girl is gonna at the end of the day end up demolishing the scoring record. She what year is, is she? Uh, so that's the other thing. She's technically a junior because of COVID. Now, oh, so, she, she, so she could come back for next year if she wanted to. And then that would be a real, I mean, she Just would. Blow that thing up, huh? Oh, blow. Nobody would ever catch her. Nobody would ever catch her. At least her. another 600 points, right? Probably. Yeah. Um. So, but even if she does leave after this season. She, I mean, we're we're not even in February yet. Mm-hmm. The pilots are going to at least make the NIT. Yeah, they're fourteen and six, eight and one in conference. Yeah, um, unfortunately, oh. their point guard, who is just fantastic, is um, not going to be back. I believe. So, anyways, um, that's too bad. But uh, yeah, they are. They, they're going to they they have the potential to make a nice run in the NIT if if that's where they go and if they make the NCAA tournament you never know what could happen so um at the very least you know you've got another month and a half worth of games for this girl and and she's like i said you know barring you know hopefully no injuries is going to absolutely blow that record out of the water and so i just Want to give her her flowers because she deserves it. It's not every day that someone's breaking a scoring record. Um, just by the by, big weekend on the bluff between her, because they're playing at 7 o'clock on Saturday, and then Gonzaga's coming in at 4 o'clock on Saturday and playing Portland. And Drew Timmy is probably going to move into second all-time um, in Gonzaga scoring history um, at, at that game. I think he's 18 away, something like that. So, um, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have a lot of uh, fun storylines heading into Saturday up there, and uh, we'll see if the the pilots can not let Drew move up the scoring book on them. So, yeah. So Alex is six two, and she's from Australia. I'm yes. Here. Mm-hmm. 
And okay. she has a season high of what, 20, 27, 26? Her career 24. high is 35. 35, wow. Uh, but that was her freshman year. So it's been a bit. Um, I think that she could have a really good game on thur- uh, Thursday. Uh, I think that she has more size than than the Pepperdine team that they're going to be playing. So we'll see how close. She could, um, she could get it in that game. I mean, it's a career high. Why not? I, why not? Why not? Let's just let's just let's just knock it out, and get it done. So yeah, right. just I just just wanted to, like I said, I wanted to give her flowers and, hey, I'm, and I'm give all, a little bit of awareness to this because I think it's it. I think it's important. Yeah, I yeah. agree. All right, so yeah. we're coming to our pop culture segment, <clears throat> um, and then we're going to give you our AFC NFC championship game picks. But I don't really have a subject this week. If you listened last week, you would know that I was deeply um, distressed over the Larsa Pippen Marcus Jordan situation. Yeah, I'm still kind of stressed out about it. I think uh, there was actually an Instagram post of those two together that sort of made it official, um, which, yeah, anyway, moving on. So I don't have a topic this week, <laughs> but you have a pretty interesting one involving uh, a female singer who coined the famous phrase, hips don't lie. Yeah. Uh, apparently I'm on the song beat here. Cause last yeah. week I talked last about Miley Silas and Cyrus, Cyrus and yeah. flowers this week. We're talking about Shakira and the song she came out with. That was just, I mean, you know, it's in Spanish, so you have to go to the translation, but, um, she went in on her ex Gerard PK, who's a what is okay? What, what are, before player. we before we go specifically in this? Is this the new thing? Like Demi, is it Demi or Demi Lovato? Demi Lovato. Demi yeah. Lovato went in on her ex boyfriend from the guy from that '70s show. I can't remember his name. Yeah, you got Miley doing like this now. She, Shakira. Like, is this like, is this just a new thing where stars have breakup situations, so they're gonna sing and write songs about it specifically? Like, it's one thing to do with songs in general, but it's like, is this like just a new thing we should all get used to or, or what? I wouldn't be, be upset Beyonce, Beyonce even did some songs about Jay-Z. Like, Content just, is great. Yeah, so so don't wrong don't wrong a female singer. Yeah, don't wrong, do, wrong a mega female pop star, because that's, that's do, really the through line we have She's here. about to write a song about you and put you on oh, blast yeah. to millions. Okay. Anyway, sorry. I, I, I mean, Taylor Swift perfected that one. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, anyways, she talked about how she found out that he was cheating on her. Okay. Who cheats on Shakira? Who, this is yeah. what I don't get. Who's cheating on Shakira? Who's cheating on Beyonce? Who's anyway. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. I that shows you that it could happen to anybody. Well, I, actually, I, I'm sorry, I keep interrupting you, but I have to say the one thing. No, no, I, no, I, just, I discovered that I discovered that and, and uh, accepted that when Je- David Justice was cheating on Halle Berry. That's when I was just like, okay, it's over. There's 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 no one safe. <laughs> if Halle Berry can get cheated on in the nineties, nobody's safe. But anyway, continue. My fault. <laughs> I like I like that deep cut. That was good. Um <laughs> Yeah, so she discovered, she alleges in this song that she discovered that she, that he was cheating on her mm-hmm. because this jam that she likes had disappeared out of the fridge. Like, it, like there'd been jam eaten, and apparently both of her sons and Gerard did not like this jam that Shakira likes. So she's like, I'm the only one that eats this. Why is this gone? It was all gone or just some was gone? 
I think just some of it was gone. But enough for her to notice. Yes. That someone was and messing with her porridge. <laughs> so, like yeah. So, <laughs> the, the woman that Gerard was cheating porridge. with was was in that fridge, baby. Um, You know, I, uh, who knows okay. if that's what who happened? Who cheats on Shakira and who does it in the home you share with Shakira? And then who lets the woman eat out of the refrigerator? It's it's the dumbest set of events of all time. Like, oh, it's migraine. just, it, it's like, well, yeah, you're, you're, you're asking to get caught here. I'm sorry. Like at some point that, I mean, we all have ring cameras. Okay. Like how, how did this, I don't know. So <laughs> he wanted to get caught. Oh my God. Um, so yeah, I mean, just an incredible, if, if it, if it really is that, she figured out he was cheating because of jam. That is an all-time incredible story. Amazing. And I'm I'm here for it. So um yeah, there's you know, she 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 basically like went in on him and was like, oh yeah, you traded um I forget the specific car models, but said like you traded uh a Lamborghini uh, for a, a, a Hyundai for a Volvo or something <laughs> like that. And Volvos are good. And, and, and yeah, things like that. So, uh, and then, you know, she's in a situation with her taxes right now where like, um, there was a problem with them and her paying them back in the way that she should have. And so she kind of a little bit alleges in the song that he was a part of that and that he played a role in that. Anyways, the whole thing is crazy. And, um, it looks like yeah, he posted like, a picture of himself with this new woman. Oh yeah. Oh Jane yeah. They're, article. they're they're together. Damn. So he brought her into the house. <laughs> that's just that's just that's just another level of disrespect. Like it's bad enough. It is. You know, it's bad enough to have an affair like that, but to bring her into the house is just the ultimate level of disrespect. You can't get much more disrespectful than that in that type of situation. Anyway, so maybe we should do a segment someday on cheating etiquette. <laughs> the top 10 things you shouldn't do on top of cheating. Anyway, okay, that was that was pretty fascinating. Uh, oh, let's, let's segue into something sports related before we sign off here today. Okay. Uh, NFC, AFC championship games this week. Cincinnati, so so impressed with them to go. Did you you did call that, didn't you? I did, did you call, call that. To go into the home stadium of a favored team that has a good defense. That's the, that's one of the biggest things. Going on the road and winning against a team that has a marginal defense, you can you can generate points and do things. But to do it against a team that has a high end defense in the snow, which mm-hmm. you know both had to deal with the snow, but still it, it adds to the uh, level of difficulty. And they just not only beat them, but pretty much owned them. I mean, they pretty much dominated them offensively and did whatever they wanted to do and, of course, shut them down defensively. That was completely impressive. They did the same thing similarly last year going into Kansas City to, to upset Kansas City. So that's twice now Joe Burrow has led teams on the road in big playoff situations to get victories. Now they're going back to, to Kansas City for the NFC Championship game. Kansas, um, Pat Mahomes is banged up a little bit, but he, you know he's supposed to play. Uh, let's start there. Who you got? Bengals keep rolling or, or the Chiefs ch- uh, choke them up? 
Haven't the Bengals won like the last four over Kansas City or something crazy like that? They do a good job against them. Um, I, I, I think I, I think I have to stick with the hot hand. I got to go with the team that proved me right last week. I'm gonna go with, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Cincinnati. I mean, they had, um, the Jags had their chances against KC, where it didn't really feel that way with the Buffalo Cincinnati game. Right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Cincy. Why not? Big Bengals fan. I'm gonna join you. One, they're the only team left that hasn't ever won a Super Bowl. Which my thing coming into this playoffs was I wanted to see a team win a Super Bowl that had never won one. My dream matchup was Buffalo Minnesota because then you guaranteed that of that happening. Uh, but I I just love the running game is is legit, which helps Burrow out a lot. And mm-hmm. Mahomes is banged up. You know we just don't know how. That's you know could that cost him two or three possessions because he's just not able to do all the things he's he's capable of doing I don't know and Kansas City's defense solid not great um, so yeah I'm gonna go with you with that I, I think it's a toss up but I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Bengals okay NFC Eagles against the Niners I'm so unexcited for this matchup but who you got I wanted Dallas Eagles but go ahead. I can't blame you for that. I mean, that's a <laughs> that's a huge rivalry. That's a you know that's a that's a that's a sexy matchup right there. Um, I think I have to go Philly. I think I do. Their defense is decent. It's time. I think, I think it's, you know, what Brock Purdy has been doing has been insane. At some point that magic's got to run out. So we'll see what happens. (laughs) You would think. So Brock Purdy has totally reminded me in so many different ways of Tony Romo. You know, a guy who's come out of nowhere and he starts out hot, and you're like, oh, this, this kid's kind of good, but is he really a starter, you know? And then he just keeps playing well, keeps playing well, and keeps playing well, and keeps playing well. And next thing you know, he's a superstar quarterback. So we'll see if, if you know, Purdy can continue it along the same, same lines as Tony Romo did coming out of nowhere and then dating. Didn't he date uh, Jessica Simpson? That's when you knew he arrived. Yes. When the, when the undrafted rookie free agent out of a of FCS program was dating did, Jessica Simpson, you knew Perry he arrived. Too? Yeah, way to go, man! What a what a it's such a fascinating, just a fascinating story. But anyway, so but yeah, I mean, to me, him going on the road and winning at Philly is going to be different. And he didn't really win the last game. The defense won the last game. They they shut down Dallas. So I just think Philly is going to be able to put up enough points to keep Purdy at bay. But if Purdy goes in there and throws two or three touchdowns and leads actually leads them to a victory, then, oh, my God, we're looking at you know more of a, a Tom Brady-esque story. Actually, even more so, because even when Tom Brady won his first, his first Super Bowl, he was a complete game manager, uh, whereas right now Purdy's been putting up actual numbers. So, But I'm not buying it. I'm going with Philly in that run game. I think the run game is going to do well even against the 49ers good defense because that run game is dominant. They got the dual threat QB and, and, and Jalen. So I think the Eagles pull it out and we got an Eagles Bengals matchup. First time ever those two franchises will have matched up in the Super Bowl. So we're in agreement. Bengals, I would have preferred some more Miles Sanders um, runs over the end of the season. My fantasy team certainly would have preferred it. <laughs> Not a point of contention at all. Uh, but, you know. Bitter. Oh yeah. Well, Get I mean, I made the championship, face. and then my team laid a, laid an uh, an incredible egg, an incredible egg in the championship game, and Miles was a part of that. So you know, okay. we've 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 got some bones to pick here, but 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see if we get that Philly Sensi matchup. That's that would be interesting. That would be. All right. Um, I guess we're good. Are we gonna see you at a, see you at a Blazer game soon? I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you this every week. You coming this weekend? We're gonna see you Saturday. Well, I Monday? wasn't supposed to come on Sunday and then I changed I changed the schedule because of Bill Shonley. Right. Um so yeah, I think probably the next one I'll be at Monday Atlanta that would make Monday. sense. Yeah, would be um I'm actually I'm actually working through this week because I'm taking the weekend off. Um but um I think the next one that would make sense would be the Bucks game two Mondays from now. So Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well we look forward to seeing you at the Moda Center at some point. And we will be back with another podcast next week. We gotta figure out when to do it. Maybe I, uh, we don't you don't care about signing day. So we'll figure that out. We'll be back with another episode. Please feel free to help us out and click that subscribe button and also give us a five-star rating would be nice. And tell your friends about the Sports by Northwest podcast, and we will catch you with another another episode next week.